Hey, everybody. Good hey, welcome morning. to the comics table. Bright and early morning at the comics table. The earliest we've ever done. Yeah, it is uh, 6 a.m. On a, on a Wednesday morning in New York City. The sun is shining bright. Uh, now it's 11.15 a.m. I'm Sweet T. I'm Sweet P. Welcome to the comics table. Stephen Hawking is dead. Yeah, rest in peace. Uh, you know, no one saw it coming. It's a big surprise for everybody. We're now uh, collectively more stupid as a society. Yeah, the IQ level of America dropped by 10% with the loss of this one person. That's right. Uh, but we have a very intelligent president, so... Right, so we're making it up for it in spades. Everything's going to be fine. Uh, did you take the loss hard? Uh, Stephen Hawking's? Yeah. No, I, not not at all. What was the name of his book? Uh, Brief History and Time. Uh, Brief History and Time. Very I good remember book. purchasing that book in elementary school. It was a there was a book fair, and I remember thinking that looks very interesting. There's space on the covers, like a graph, very like graphical cover with stars and things, and the font. I I was attracted to the font, and then uh, I never read the book. I uh, I was just talking to somebody about, about this. Like I did, I did. I tried reading it initially, couldn't get very far, and then I read it again when I was a little bit older. And it was a good read, and but you were it, able to absorb it. Yeah, but it, it. But when you. But the thing is, is is it's it's actually kind of uh, layman's kind of terms with a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it just sounds like there's not like complicated math in there. So it sounds like he's just kind of coming up with this stuff, just pulling it out of his ass. Yeah. But then it's like, then scientists are like, we just observed that thing that he was talking about. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. There's definitely, uh, there's definitely stuff there. I'll have to go back and revisit it. Yeah. Uh, in remembrance of him. Isn't, isn't that funny how everybody likes to replay all the hits once they're dead? Yeah. You know, you, just listen to David Bowie and re- read a brief history in time. Yeah. The night uh, David Bowie died, we went out and did uh, David Bowie only karaoke uh, and had a real emotional evening. My my wife and some friends and I. Why is uh, that? Why do we like uh, why do we like? I think it's important to memorialize people. Yeah, why not just a- like like them when they're alive, though? Huh? Oh, Bowie and Stephen Hawking got plenty of love while they were alive, I suppose. Stephen Hawking just actually had a major, uh, a major resurgence of love with uh, that film that came out about his life story. Uh, speaking of Bowie, yeah, we did license this track for this episode. Oh, we license everything that we play on here. Yeah. Uh, so what's going on with you? You're not feeling well, right? Nope. Totally, totally sick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great. Yeah. Our, I'm so glad we're in a uh, 20 foot, 20 square foot. Yeah recording studio it's better it's all right i'm on uh experimental medications that are uh you know i don't know eating my guts from the inside all right well i think it's a mistake that we're recording at this hour because you do sound like you're still waking up <laughs> i i come in here with the monotone anyway and right you're matching my energy i know which is problematic for our show well it's good that we have a guest who's got who's got a lot of high energy yeah um he, he he's a regular spark plug mm-hmm He's a fantastic gentleman. We're so glad he's here. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the comics table, Harrison Greenbaum. Hey, guys. Hey, Harrison. How are you? <laughs> no, can you imagine like, if I was just awesome, even more yeah. low energy? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I, I do think this is too early for comics to be doing anything. Oh, it is way early, but I appreciate it. We, we, were, we were trying to find the time to make this work, and I I, managed, I, I figured since we're near Penn Station, yeah. I would coordinate this with my... Uh, 
bi-weekly trip to visit my grandmother that is in so Long Island. sweet when you wrote that to me that you would be doing that i it touched me uh oh. so bi-weekly means you see her literally every two weeks yeah yeah that's so sweet and how far out on the island is she she's not too far she's uh about 45 minutes cool what's her yeah. uh, i'm gonna take the like the twelve thirty-five train i usually spend like two hours with her and uh tire her out what's your stop <laughs> Uh, I don't know if I want to. Do I? Should, oh, I, you, I should publicly tell I'm people where my grandmother fuck your lives. Grandma, if you tell me, so <laughs> yeah, we, we're just going to stalk your grandmother. Um, well, I went to CW Post College, so Long Island is special to me. And anytime somebody's got a connection to Long Island, I'm always very curious about it. I'm not from there; I'm from upstate. But uh, Long Island has a groundwater problem because of how many people live that, that live out there. Oh, really? Yeah the the groundwater is disappearing, so the ocean water is seeping in hey. underneath. Yeah. And that's not drinkable, uh, potable water. Exactly. Salty. So I hope, your, I hope your grandmother has other plans. She'll be okay. She's 100. Oh, my God. See, yeah, she's well, there's got to be old. something good going on in Long Island where there's all these like ancient folks living out there. Yeah. 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 What's the nature of your visits? You, do you entertain her? Do you read to her? Do you converse? We just kind of hang out. Yeah. She's usually reading, so I get updated. On, it's funny because she's a Holocaust survivor, so everybody always gives her Holocaust books to read. And she's like, I don't need, I don't want, why? She's literally <laughs> yeah, like, like I, there, li- done I that. did it. Yeah. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah. That's it's incredible. like the weird, it's this weird thing where people meet a Holocaust survivor and like, oh, here's a great Holocaust book for you. And she's like, why? Yeah. Let me read anything else. That'd here's- be like the Christian version would be like if Jesus was still alive and, um, well, according to people, he is. But then everybody just gifted. But he was like around and walking around, and everybody gifted him with crosses all the time. And he'd yeah. be like, get the fucking thing away from me, right? Yeah. Would you like to relive the most traumatic phase of your life? Mm-hmm. I just got an email from somebody who saw me at a show and said, you were a good entertainer, but you'd be a great entertainer if you accepted Jesus Christ. That's insane. <laughs> it was so weird. He was like, I think you're angry at God. And so my response to him, I, I just wrote back. I was like, it's hard to be angry at a thing I don't believe in. Yeah, that's... uh. Like the the effort it took for that person to sit down and write you an email. It was email. a long thing. Yeah, I wrote a I wrote a sort of snarky comeback, but it was yeah, it was like it's hard to be angry at a thing that doesn't exist. Uh-huh. I'm not, when a joke doesn't work, I don't blame a unicorn. And so <laughs> I, I mean, wrote you could a, have been yeah. a real rabbi that lived at, at it wasn't some a, point. Ra- oh, Jesus. Yeah, I mean, he was Jewish. You know, he was a Jewish rabbi, basically. Yeah, you I know? mean, is there any other kind of rabbi? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> is there? He was a uh, Rastafarian rabbi. He was a Muslim rabbi. He was a Jewish reverend. Um, (laughs) No, but uh, yeah. So, you know, there's there's possibility that there was a dude at some point. Oh, yeah. I was talking about God. Like like right now. Well, well, what the guy is suggesting that wrote the email is if you accept Jesus Christ, the God... Uh, the guy because what's you know, the triad in, the the Father Son the Holy Spirit I, I, I grew up right. I grew up being raised Christian and I still don't know like like uh, you know when people say you you accept him you know like you know you, like, you accept him as your God right you you uh, but then what if you wake up tomorrow and you're like nah and then but then the next day you're like yeah maybe but then the day after that you're like no like can you can can you continue to accept and reject I don't know. That sounds like a yeah, they're pattern. always like he died for your sins, and I'm like, did he? Mine? Mm-hmm. Yeah, two thousand years. You're ago. like, I didn't, I didn't ask him to. Yeah. I definitely, yeah. <laughs> I was also like, my last name is Greenbaum. My act is very Jewy. At what point did you think you were gonna make this sell? <laughs> yeah, I was. Just I was gonna, gonna say, get this email at age 31 and be like, you know what, this guy is right. Yeah, yeah. You know what, sir? Thank you for writing this. This is perfect timing. I was, I've been waiting for the answer, and you just provided it to me. Uh, 
yeah, that's. I I wonder if those emails work for that guy. Like, is he emailing random people in his life, and is it is he converting people as he goes? Uh, or make I think it just makes him feel better. Yeah, my response. The the serious paragraph in the email was. If you think good art is defined by people only aligning their beliefs with yours or great art, then like that's you do you misunderstand what art is. That's great. And I and was you like, said that to him. And I said, Yeah, and that's that could great. be a mistake, but then I'll just blame Bigfoot. <laughs> Can I just say like when I was when I was uh I think sixteen, fifteen, worked at Kroger grocery store in Tennessee and uh I had for some time Named I, after Nickelback. Named yeah, Chad Kroger. Chad Kroger. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, I assume he's part of the Kroger mm-hmm. fortune. Yeah. Uh, I, I had to load people's... Uh, part of my job at one point was to load people's groceries into the cars. like Because so, down in the South, that's what they would do. Like They wouldn't just check out. Like Somebody would literally take their groceries to their car. Because and in the load South, in everybody's car. severely overweight and out of shape. So no, it's just like... I think they don't want I, I like to look at the positive the way that it's like... You know, there's a rich tradition of human labor. <laughs> sure. Yes, exactly. <laughs> what a delicate way to say it. I love that turn of phrase. Um, but I like took this old lady's bags to her uh, her car and she got a lot of stuff. And and she was just like she, there was just everything about her was that she did was like made it more difficult, and more annoying and everything like that. And then I had to load it in this like tiny car, like pull up the front seat. It was all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And usually what happens is they tip you. Like you, you you load their car up and they tip you. So I'm like, this lady better give me a good tip. Her tip was, have you heard the good news about Jesus? Oh, you God. know, <laughs> I was like, I sure have, you cunt. Later. Uh, I'll take $10 <laughs> yeah. now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was like all those people who got Picasso drawings instead of a tip. Like he would... At, towards like the later part of his life oh. when his signature was valuable he would like doodle something on a napkin and sign it and be like that's worth more than this bill yeah that's absolutely but like there's yeah. gotta been a waiter who was like no i want fucking money yeah, like well, i can't pay my rent with a napkin right. that's not a forward-paying thinker no now but now i gotta go to an art dealer i have to sell this for i have to find a buyer yeah and it's like mr picasso this is worthless until you die so i hope you choke on the food i just served you and then i can get money out of this thing and it's a napkin. Have you ever been to a museum and seen a napkin? <laughs> right, right. Those napkins did not survive. Yeah. Uh, wait, so I do want to, I, I think that's amazing. You see your grandmother two weeks. I, I don't see, I don't talk to my parents. I talk to my parents like once a month at most. Uh, I haven't talked to either of my parents in two months, probably. Uh, all my grandparents are gone. Finally. It could either uh, be really but- <laughs> sweet or Harrison's not getting laid enough. One of the two. I think there's a family. What does it have to do with my sex life? <laughs> I think there's like a family Like if you were bond. banging more, you wouldn't have time for Grammy. I don't know. You bang at night and you visit Grammy mm. during the day. Mm. And then you, you tell Grammy about your conquest. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, in explicit detail. Yeah. Did she have a boyfriend for any period She of time? never took a boyfriend. It was weird. Never. I Well, she, cause well he, how would you know that? Would she, would she tell you? Uh, yeah, well, you know, it was less, it was less weird that she didn't have a boyfriend. It was more weird that my other grandmother, who passed away, she never took a boyfriend because I really thought she was gonna immediately get a boyfriend after my step grandfather passed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but neither of them. did. She didn't do it. She she had a group of like girlfriends that would go to Broadway shows together, and like she was very socially active. She was living in basically like a dorm. Oh wow! Like it was it's called North Shore Towers. It's literally like mostly old people. Yeah, and they, but it's not a nursing home. There's no like, it's not assisted living. It's literally just an apartment where old people flock to because it has like a golf course and a pool. It has like a, its own grocery store inside of it. Yeah, you never have to leave the place. It has its own yeah. generator. 
Wow. So she just got like she her and her friends would have like fun. It sounded amazing. It literally sounded like college minus the classes. But then they also had classes. Like she would go to lectures and stuff. That's amazing. Yeah. And that's what keeps people alive is community, right? Mm-hmm. Like connection with. She uh, died three years later, but other than- <laughs> she really. But, but she burned out. She didn't fade away. Uh, you know really those old the folks home? They are banging all the time. Like they're. They, it's oh yeah, up. it's but, like an but, STD. But you, yes. yeah, but you, epidemic. You'd think that um they would have uh, like burned out all their hormones long ago, so they wouldn't really. Uh, have the desire for that necessarily i think women continue to get fired up as they age i was just reading something that even through menopause really sometimes women are actually more sexually aroused gotta get that guilt faction right yeah yeah well i mean i'm in my late 30s and i already can't get erect so i don't know how it's you all know, those old guys are doing yeah <laughs> you better have another cup of matcha over yeah there. there we go uh, but I noticed that your show, so in the fall, you, you did your, your magic comedy show at the Village yes. Underground. And I got the feeling, I don't even know if this is true, but I got the sense that it, it was a very, there was a lot of family in the room. Is that oh, true? yeah. There's definitely uh, a bunch. And it, there seemed to be like a closeness. Are you very close with your whole extended family? Pretty close. Yeah, we're all mostly in the Long Island, Westchester area. So it's, geographically, it's pretty easy to get together. Yeah. And that that show, which Patrick filmed beautifully. Um, oh, thanks. Uh, it was like I do. I, I don't obviously can't come to every show. Yeah. So they're always waiting for that like big show where like everybody who's like, when can we see Harrison? When can we see Harrison? So I'm always yeah. like, wait till there's like a big show that makes sense. So that one was. My first time doing my magic show at the cellar. Yeah. There was at least 200 seats to sell. So there was like, like a good size audience. Yeah. Uh, you know, a good size room. So that was the one that was my like, I call them my, like my bar mitzvah shows. Where yeah. You basically like email everybody in the family. Like if you were thinking of coming and bringing your friends, this, this is, is the, the one, one to come to. Yeah. And that's that's so cool that you uh, are at that point in your career where you have a product that uh, is is presentable to everyone in your life. Because uh, I'm in this weird phase. I'm four years in, and I'm in this weird phase where I'm like, I don't want a single family member at any of my shit right now. At the beginning, I needed them and I wanted them, but now that I'm like delving into certain subject matter, and uh, well, that's but that's specifically the, the deal for you is the subject matter. I think uh, I don't know, but uh, either way, uh, well, that's the, I mean, when I was in college, we so I started a stand up group called the Harvard. Harvard. Yeah. Uh, It's called the Harvard College Stand-Up Comics Society. So Harvard Sucks was the acronym. Yeah, that's hilarious. Uh, And then I got called into the dean's office. They're like, you can't have that name. And I was like, oh, shit, they figured it out. Because we never wrote Harvard Sucks. We just wrote Harvard Stand-Up Comics. Like, we wrote the whole thing out and never used the acronym. And they are like, oh, yeah, you're an undergrad group. So you have to be the Harvard College Stand-Up Comics Society. And I was like, oh, they don't know. (laughs) So So now it's Harvard College College Sucks, sucks, which is fine with us. Yeah. Uh, Still in existence. It's been over 10 years. The club is, like, rocking. It's, like, so cool to see that, like, this thing that I started is still like affecting students. Yeah. But um, why did it bring up HG Sucks? Uh, we were oh, talking- we're talking about family at shows and so Oh, yeah. Matter. So we realized that because we had the Harvard name and we had this club, even though it had just started to exist, um, we could just like kind of email any famous comics in the area and be like, do you want an award from Harvard? Yeah. So like Mike Birbiglia, we were like, do you want to? We gave him a lifetime achievement award from the Harvard College Stand Up Comic Society. That's amazing. Uh, which is weird to get a lifetime achievement award when like, you're 30 something. Like, yeah, yeah. It was a mid-lifetime achievement award. Uh, I want to start those as a thing. Um, yeah. But he was, so he basically spoke to seven of us and we just like to, got to pester him with questions about stand up. And what really stuck with me is he goes, when I do it, it should feel like you're ripping scabs off. Oh yeah. And he's like, yeah. I want to do stand up that it would be really awkward for my parents to be in the room to hear. Yeah. yeah. That's how we started talking about the sleepwalking, all these embarrassing things. 
all the girlfriend, all his romance stuff. Yeah. And that really kicked me in the ass to start talking about more personal stuff. Yeah. And is it still, there is still stuff that like when my family's in the room, it's like, oh God, I, I'm, I'm not going to change my set for them. Right. But you're just like, ugh, ugh, yeah. okay. Yeah. And it gets easier and easier over time. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it, that, that stuff, sh- it should always be a problem. If you're mm-hmm. doing stand up the right way, right. That feeling should never go away. Yeah. Like that's almost like a true north in, in where you should be going is. Yeah. You should always be kind of uncomfortable that your parents are going to hear these stories. Yeah. These aren't stories that you would share with your parents, yeah. but somehow you're going to share them with millions of strangers. Right. Right. It's yeah. a very weird disconnect. Totally. So uh, just getting back for a second to the, the fact that you went to Harvard. There's a lot of like good comedians that have like gone to Harvard and for me it's always been such a strange thing because it's you know it's uh the reputation the, the level of intensity that's required to get into a college like that and the amount of money that goes into it and then people end up doing comedy seems like a uh, an odd an, an we have the, the lampoon, which yeah, is yeah. like of course, definitely a yeah. funnel for comedy writers. Right. When you're on campus, the prestige is there's like the Crimson, which is the newspaper, and then the rival is the lampoon. And so if you can comp into the lampoon, comping is like the everything in Harvard has a different name than what it's so like. Mm-hmm. We don't have TAs, we have TS, like teaching fellows. Mm. Um, we have like halls and houses instead of dorms. Like everything is like Harry Potter, very British. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but uh, instead of having students, we have assholes. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, for the lampoon, there's like the comp, which is you have to like submit, and it's this really crazy thing. They own a castle basically in Cambridge. It's this crazy process, but those who get through generally sort of are funneled almost straight into like The Simpsons or like these various writing jobs. Yeah. They call it like the Harvard Mafia. I never got in. I never. I I, I was also more focused on stand up. Yeah. Um. And there aren't as many like the really big names. You have like Conan, uh, Al Franken, mm-hmm. um. BJ Novak, but in terms of like stand up, stand up, Alingon Mitra. Alingon was my year, but yeah. he was a lampoon guy. Yeah. Um, and he started doing stand up a little bit after me. Mm-hmm. Um, he really kind of started after we graduated. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had the comedy studio, which was cool. That was a great resource. It just moved out of Harvard Square. So I don't think it's Is not, that a venue to perform in. Yeah. It's like no. one of the coolest clubs. It was the third floor of a Chinese restaurant. Uh-huh. Now it's moving to its own space in Somerville. So it'll be like its own club. And the owner will finally get to keep the bar, which is amazing. Yeah. He's been living off of just door, the door. Wow. You know? Um, but in terms of actual stand up, that's why I started the club because there was this need for like actual stand up. Like, Performing, performing comedy. Yeah, well, sense. I was reading about it too. It's uh, it also like the language in the the one liner for the 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 club was uh, uh, for uh, stand up comedians and people the appreciation of stand up also something about yeah when we started it we wanted to keep it broad and it was yeah the idea was stand up is its own art form yeah and if you you didn't. Have, and we also wanted it to just be open to anybody. Like, yeah. you didn't ha- if you wanted to join the club and just like run the spotlight, you could. Like, yeah, there's no which is rules. genius because, as we know, like the thing we need as comics is for people to like watch us perform. Right. So, like, I love the idea that you built a thing where like people could just join and be sort of built in audience. Yeah, and our funny tagline was, I mean, we 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 started it also just as a way to make waves, but we you know we were like the lampoon, but funny and inclusive. <laughs> Yeah, because it had a reputation. The magazine they were putting out it had this reputation of being very unfunny and yeah. very pretentious. And there are some really funny things, like Simon Rich, what was an incredible writer and uh-huh. ran the Lampoon, and 
his stuff was always like people would turn to Simon Rich's thing. Like, yeah. and now he's doing really well. And but did you specifically go there for comedy or for something? No, would you go absolutely for? not. Some people do because they're like, I'm going to get in the lampoon and I'm going to do that. Right. So there is that track for for yeah. a very few. Well, I, I read Harrison's bio and uh, he was a valedictorian of his high school right. in Long Island. Yeah. Which two shoes? Any 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 fucking valedictorian in Long Island is, I mean. It's a very there's a lot of people in those schools, so you were a high achiever, right? Uh, yeah, I, that was always yeah, I was very type A, and then uh, and I liked school, and uh, and then you went to Harvard for was it English and psychology? Yeah, psychology uh, major, English minor. I, I I'm stalking you and your grandmother. I read your Wikipedia Love page, mm-hmm. so uh, yeah. So what what was the original? Th- you went to you got accepted to Harvard, and you were like, I'm gonna. I didn't know what writer. I was gonna do. I, I really didn't. I I didn't even know what my we, uh, my major was going to be the, the Harvard term is concentrations. Every literally everything. You don't have a major and a minor. You have a concentration mm. and a secondary field. But um, have you ever hung out at the Harvard Club in Manhattan? I have. I've been in some shows there, like the Theodore Roosevelt Room, uh-huh. which has all like these stuffed mounted heads from his hunting expeditions. Mm-hmm. I've been. I was there one time uh, for a business meeting with a guy that was from Harvard, and he. That's so, a big dick move. Where you're just like putting it on the table, just yeah, like yeah. Yeah, come like, meet me at the Harvard Club. Right, and then you know there was like the breakfast there. They everybody you know the nice breakfast, and then they, there was no bill. It was just like it was on his thing, you know. Right, whatever his op- his standing tab his or. Tab. But it's like a social club, so you still <laughs> yeah. pay, you have to pay dues and right. membership like right. any other any other club. But you have, to, but you, you have, have to have been on. at Harvard first to get right. into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Are you a member? I am not. And do you plan to be? I haven't yet. I was you, a member you, of the Friars Club a, for a long time, so that no, no so I didn't want to. No longer. So that's something you also have to pay dues for? Yeah, and they gotcha. got really out of control with that. Because uh, you, I mean, also let's just rattle off a few things. America's Got Talent, Last Comic Standing. Uh, I'm very good access. at getting eliminated from reality shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you make an impression. I remember your last comic uh, segments because I, I just remember seeing whole bits of yours because there are so many comics that you only see Yeah, yeah that was such a weird thing. I got for. into a fight with Norm because I yeah. did a joke about religion and evidently he's a born-again Christian. Nobody warned me. Yeah, and I loved that back and forth between you guys. Which it was they, just very they memorable. Edited, like, they edited it to give him some kind of semblance of equality in a weird way. Like, he, and every time he spoke, it was very rambly yeah. and he was booed by the audience, like, yeah. really strongly. And then I would get a jab in and get a huge pop and like Roseanne would stand up. And when you see it in the edit, like Norm says something, gets a huge laugh, which was completely fabricated. And then like you're shut down. And then I make like a face. So yeah. like it makes it seem like he like. Like you're being an asshole, basically. No, not like that. Like It makes it feel like almost he I did this thing and then he makes a really solid point. I'm like, oh, I guess that's a good point. But that was not at all what happened. Well, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I'd mention those things just because I would assume I would think the Harvard Club would should have you as a part of their membership and not that you should be paying into it. But I assume that's not, how I'm sure they also work. have so many like famous so many. alum. We're like, so like, many. Yeah, that's yeah. Are you kidding me. That's true. So, so out of all of these, uh, kind of, oh, uh, I love it. If they're listening, <laughs> <laughs> they are. The I'm happy, Harvard, the Harvard I'm happy to join the club for free. <laughs> yeah. They, they, they're huge fans of the show. Yeah. We, uh, we, we actually don't know her demographic. We do have quite a few listeners, but, uh, who they are, it's a mystery. Yeah. Mm. You don't track, like when I, when I had a podcast, we you tried to track they where they're from. specifically are. And you we can, had like Norway. Yeah. Like there's always that weird yeah, country. Yeah, we, got, like, we have that. Why yeah. are they, li- who yeah. are these people? Got yeah. a couple people in Tokyo. That was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, out of out of all the kind of um, 
shows that you've been a part of that you've been eliminated from, uh, (laughs) which is there one that's like stood out the most? Is there like, you know, obviously that what you're talking about right there is like a particular um, is an interesting factoid. But like overall, is there like an experience there that was like, I mean, I'm looking forward. I've never done a late night. uh, And so I'm looking forward to doing a TV show where their goal is to their goal is definitively to make you look good. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that, that's always the, the hard thing about any of these, either last comic or America's got talent is they want you to do well, but if you don't, that's good too. They also right. want story. Do you feel like they portrayed you like overall negatively? Oh no. Overall positive. Overall I mean, America's positive. got talent couldn't have portrayed me better. Okay. Um, and last comic standing also, I think me, yeah. you know, did a really good job. I mean, um, it was funny because Norm said that thing because because Roseanne said, oh, that was really brave to do a religion joke. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of was like, then you don't see this in the thing where I was like, it's not that. I mean, I'm just being a comic, to- you know, talking about my truth, you know. Right, right. And then Norm was like, it's not brave because talking about religion like that is not brave. And then the irony of that comment was everybody kept repeating it. But all these it was all these religious blogs being like, it isn't brave. And I'm like. Well, I think that the definition of bravery is doing a joke, knowing you're going to get all this like negative feedback, right. from, regardless from what side it is. Right. So yeah, they you, just continue to prove their point. Like yeah. it still pops up. Like every once in a while, it pops up again where somebody blogs about it. Like or or some like very alt right blog tries to do like Norm teaches uh, an atheist or something. Um, and it's so funny because they're just proving that I'm I'm right and he's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So it's this very so that's an interesting thing to see the thing or like with America's Got Talent it airs internationally so every so often I'm just like minding my own business and then my Instagram explodes and you're like oh I guess Venezuela has America's Got Talent now that's so funny like that's that's a really fascinating thing about it too. yeah the power of like network TV is crazy and I get residuals I got a I got a check recently I don't want to brag. But it was a check for 21 cents for Last Comic Standing. Nice. And they fucking took taxes out of it. That's hilarious. <laughs> so it was 21 cents, and I, I only do, I, it was 11 cents. They took 10 cents out of it. That's hilarious. That's Which, so bizarre. And the stamp Whoa, was 40 they, something cents? Yeah. How do you tax? That's over 50%. Yeah, how do you? Ta- it's under six fifty. Is it like it's under six hundred and fifty dollars? Trump's you don't America. Have to, they taxed my 21 cents. That's crazy. Uh, so I think I'm going to keep the check because I just think that's too funny. Yeah, yeah. Or just send that to the Harvard Club and say, "Does this help toward yeah, my, membership? my membership?" Yeah. But it's so funny. Like I get this mail and it looked very official, and it's like your residuals are like, "Whoa!" And it's always like, "Yeah, twenty one cents minus taxes." Yeah. Uh, so I'm living well. Yeah. Did you and Howard <laughs> Stern connect? Uh, well, Howard Stern wasn't my season. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah they forgive me. You... I, I actually didn't, hadn't seen any of those. Oh, shows. no worries. We, I had Simon, which is actually <laughs> better. <laughs> like, well, it's better and worse. Like Simon Cowell. How, Howard Stern would have been amazing. And he's such a comedy like supporter. Man, yeah. So it's possible I would have gone further if he was the judge. Yeah. On the other side, Simon in my first round was really, really great. And if Simon says something really great, the, the audience watching is like that. He must be great. Yes. Yeah. He's an authority. He's the hard one to win over, even yeah. though he's like a total teddy bear, but like, he lo- he's like, oh, you're so naughty, and he's laughing, and like you could tell he's loving it. Yeah, and I think that that made the clip. The, the that first round clip was really was really special because yeah. of that. I have a couple specific questions about these contest related shows you've done. Yeah. But the first one is for America's Got Talent because last Comic Standing it was all stand up. For America's Got Talent, what was the proportion of magic to stand-up? I only did stand up. I approached oh, it did. as a stand up. I was thinking about doing magic in later rounds, but just didn't get. Can far you enough do to magic? Do that. 
Yeah. Yeah. Really? Harrison. Oh, yeah. The show that he's talking about that the family came to that he filmed was uh, is my sort of my baby. It's a magic and comedy show. Oh, yeah. cool. It's yeah. a, it's so fun. I it's used to amazing. be super into magic when I was uh, younger. I would do uh, like I would do like magic shows for like little kids birthday parties and stuff. Yeah. yeah. How did I not know this about you? That's amazing. So you were like, I mean, but getting to the birthday party phase is pretty, that's, that's hardcore. Yeah. But the well, coloring book and the, I would do like, uh, you know, I do like some rope tricks, some, some ring tricks. I would do some Ooh. card tricks. Like linking rings. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like a linking ring one, but then, then also, you know, where you like, you tie the things and then you go like that. And you know, did you ever saw a kid in that hand? works really well on a podcast? The, yeah, all, yeah, those, yeah, no, the visual, all those yeah. hand gestures. Yeah. But and- even if, <laughs> even if somebody actually saw it, they'd be like, I don't know I what don't the know. fuck yeah. this is. Um, you know, the ones where, or the ones where you have like, you have like the three, uh, uh, ropes that are the same length, but then they're all different. Professor's lengths. Nightmare. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what yeah. the names of them are. There's anymore. like a whole lingo. That's the fun thing about yeah. magic is like there's this whole language. I'm like, I had this big wooden box with a slanted mirror in it, so that like stuff would you could go in the top, but it didn't yeah. look like there was anything in it from the sign. Are you Fantastic in the, the magic? Ca- is it called the castle in LA? So the, yeah, I'm a member of. I'm a proud member of the academy. It's now. It, oh, the, so you're like the organization <laughs> is the Academy of the Magical Arts. Yeah, yeah. and then. It's this whole thing where like the name is owned by a different. It's a whole. Th- but how active? So you're a member of the this? Academy of Magic Arts, yeah. which is the Magic Castle. How active? He's are a you? magician. He's yeah, a, but like, like, but like how active? Oh, I mean, here's I, a funny thing. I did thing. a magic convention this week. Oh wow! Here's yeah. a funny thing I want to mention is I know how how your your ma- magic background because uh, when I was starting comedy or like six months into comedy, somebody was like, "You got to have a resume." So I googled comedy resume. Right. Your resume oh, came up. Oh, that's so funny! And it was a functional word document. It wasn't oh. just a PDF. So I just used your resume as a template. <laughs> that's amazing. And I remember seeing, oh wow, magic like sleight of hand, like all this, all these specific. And that's skills. how I made my resume. So there's probably some like master resume somewhere <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that's been bastardized over and yeah, over and over yeah. again. And it's just diminishing uh, qualities. Yeah. Half our guests, Michael Keaton and multiplicity that we have on this, like either Patrick has like driven with them to or from a gig, or been on a show with them recently. You know them personally, right? And then I'm always like, so, so, and then on top of that, because you're a studious person, you'll do like research, which is what you should do, right? Before you have someone on, I'm the kind of guy that's like, oh, I'm surprised by everything. <laughs> Woo! That's but so you, cool. but you two had tacos the other night. Yeah, so. well, we yeah, didn't we talk did. about magic. We didn't talk about well, magic. Yeah, no. So, and and the thing with magic is, uh, a lot of people shit on magic, right? But I have yeah. to say, like, your show was so fun, and you do such a great job of like making the 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 tricks are kind of separate from like how funny the moments are. Thank you. Uh, and it was just so fun to to be there for it and then to like do a little bit of editing on it uh was really cool to see yeah, and, how you and I appreciate cuz editing magic is is crazy. Yeah. I mean honestly I I probably would have shot it differently had I known like uh what what it all entailed but I think Do for, you have original tricks? Yeah. I, well that was the, the funny thing is the 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 trick that we were just working on uh editing was was stolen original illusion like a, another company mm-hmm. a, a, a very big magic company um released my effect on uh, you know it's called the fu card trick so all of a sudden i wake up in australia it's cuz every it's the time difference my phone's exploded and it's all hey check out this website and it's the fu card trick by another guy you know it says by another guy and I'm watching the trailer. And I'm like, this is beat for beat my trick. Like, this is my trick. And how did that happen? Did someone go to your show and like? I perform do at magic convention. I perform yeah. all over the place. Magicians, their code of honor when it comes to st- 
we'll, we'll get into that in a second and yeah. I'll explain that part. But just to, to end, to end that story and then we'll get back into the why of yeah, how yeah. it happens. Um, I, I, and because the magic community is so small, I, like I put it on Facebook. It wasn't even an angry message. It was literally a sad mess. I was like, I'm not angry. I'm just sad that like the magic community lets this kind of thing happen. Yeah. Like this shouldn't even happen. It shouldn't even yeah. be an issue. Um, it's so clearly my thing. Um, so then I get a, a Facebook message from a friend. like, here's the cell phone number of the CEO. You should call him and, and tell him this. Maybe he doesn't know. Yeah. Uh, so I call him and I'm like, I just sent you a video from, you know, like, he's like, well, we created this trick like years ago. And I was like, when? He's like, 2015. I'm like, cool. I just sent you a video from 2010. Yeah. Tell me that's not that this is not the trick. Mm-hmm. So they, he, you know, he watched it and to his credit, they pulled it from their website. They sent an apology email to everybody that, you know, through their mailing list being like, we didn't realize our bad. It could have been a little bit better. You know, they were like, we had never heard of him. I'm like, sorry, th- that surprises me. Cause I was yeah. like, you guys saw me at the magic. You saw me performing at the magic castle. Right. Uh, personally. Um, but like they, they, I, at the very least, the trick is now off the market and it's so that, that was the best case scenario. Is that there. how tricks are sold? So I, let's say I'm a magician. I'm going to go do a, sh- a, a, a hour long show or something, but I'm still constructing my set. I can go to this website and say, I want to purchase the rights to be able to do this trick. Like what, what were they presenting? Well, they, so this, and this is the crazy thing. So there's no like comedy store that we can go to to right. get jokes. But for magic, you need equipment for sure. Yeah. Like there's certain like gimmicks and things like that box you're talking about or the rings. You know, you should be able to go to the store and buy those rings. Uh, but the magic store sells, you know, DVDs and like you buy, you basically get routines. Yeah. And some magicians go there to buy equipment and some people go there to buy basically a full trick. And that's yeah. the problem is that, you know, I, I do a lecture and it's called You Are All Terrible. Literally, that's the name of it. And it's based on a column that I had for Genie Magazine, which is the only magic magazine right now in the U.S., and that column is called You Are All Terrible. And the main thrust of it is like magicians aren't creating magic correctly. Like they buy the trick first and either just do it straight out of the package or they try to aren't fit a square hole, a square peg in a round yeah. hole. To, yeah. They buy an it. iPhone and then they put a different case on it and they go, yeah. look at my I invented this phone. Gotcha. And you're like, you didn't invent yeah. the phone. Yours is blue and this guy's is light blue. But they're, they're both phones. Well, it's kind of interesting because you hear com- old school t- comics talk all the time about how they would share street jokes, like in the Borscht Belt. Like people would right. say, oh, Milton, are you doing Milton this? Burl but- with a notebook, like taking notes. Yeah. Uh, so that was, what, 60 years ago in stand-up or whatever. Uh, do you think magic will catch up eventually where it is? it does become... I'm hoping. About I mean, originality? It's so much easier to not do that, right? So like yeah. the... It, it, there's such a disincentive for most of these guys. They're like, I'm like, if they're, if they're going to be allowed to continue to be successful and people are going to like the magicians need to be like, you know, we only want original stuff. Mm-hmm. The way comedians are like that, the way comedians are, you know, but I think part of it is because we only have jokes and words. So we're very defensive about that intellectual property. Right. But like, I, you know, I have jokes stolen from me constantly in the magic community. Yeah. Cause I do a joke and then they, they I'm part of me. I want to believe it's because they don't even know that it's wrong. Right. Right. You know, I've, I get emails all the time. Hey, I saw you performing. Um, do you mind? Like, these are the best case scenario. They go, do you mind if I do this, this trick yeah. of yours? And I'm like, yeah, I, I do. It's my trick. You can't do it. That's the best case scenario because they asked me first. Right. I'm sure for every one of those emails, there's 10 guys who are just doing it. Yeah. And it would be weird. Like you can, t- it's my character. Like it would be very weird for them to try to do what I'm doing. And I, I'd like to think I've accidentally stumbled onto sort of a new genre. 
Yeah, I was just going to say because I think what your your show when I was watching it I was like I can't wait to see this when it's on Netflix, you know, if it if it ever gets to that point because even with David Blaine or whatever it's like David Blaine his specials have this like documentary approach where it feels like very in the moment reality TV style or something but you on a stage being both hilarious and like impressive with this magic seems like a way to just say Yep, that's a Harrison Greenbaum thing. He did it on his special two years ago. Nobody touches that anymore. You know, right? It's this. Uh, it's. I'm sorry. I I don't have a name for it even. But it's like because there's. I I think I'm one of the only, or if maybe the only right now where, and it's it's not uh, this like it's this weird accident. But like I do stand up and I also do magic. And yeah. there's not there's I don't know of any other comedy magician who at the at the moment right now, like if you take all his props away can just do stand-up. Right. And there's a couple of guys, like Derek Hughes used to do a lot of stand-up. He still does, and he can still do it. So there are guys, for sure, like there are a handful of those guys. Uh, have you met Jay Sankey? Yeah, he was a comic for yeah. a while. Yeah, is, he, is his he wrote magic art in the, the zen of stand-up comedy? Yeah, yeah. But he has not, I don't think he's done stand-up forever. Um, yeah, I'm just curious if he's a good magician. Yeah, he sells a lot of product. That's his thing. I think he yeah. makes most of his money from like lecturing and selling gotcha. magic product. So that's the weird thing is you can make a, ver- a relatively good living as far as I know just selling to other magicians. Right. Can you buy like what you need in the city? Because there's a couple of magic shops, but I don't know if they have like the whatever you're using at the level of magic that you're doing. Because a lot of them have the more novelty like kits or other things like that. But some of them have like more extensive stuff in the city or is it something you have to like kind of get everything online or like what do you well that's the sad thing is a lot of the brick and mortar magic stores which are like really magical places like right. you walk in it's like there's magic stuff everywhere and there's a guy behind a counter doing like he's like would you like to see a magic trick like <laughs> right, it's right. crazy yeah um so like tannin's magic is still it's right near where we are it's like two blocks from here yeah. um that store still exists and is wonderful. It's been around forever. Is there uh, a secret room that only certain people can go into? No, some stores have it. I remember in Vegas that the I bought a trick. My parents were there. They bought me a trick, and then the guy's like, "I'm going to go teach your son." And my mom was like, "You're not going alone in a secret room with my son. Like, yeah. I'm coming with him." And I'm like, "You can't, mom. I don't want you to know the secret." And well, they were and like, when did this all start? How young was this in Vegas with your parents? I was like 12 years old. Yeah. So magic came first. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And then cool. I went to, I, I mean, I, I was like five years old when I started doing magic. Yeah. Went to Magic Camp, mm-hmm. oh, which is that. Tannin's Magic oh, Camp. So that's so also great. another reason I have such an allegiance to Tannin's. Um, and then, yeah, it, by the way, when people are always like looking for date ideas or like unique things to do in New York, like go to Tannin's. Anybody oh, cool. can go to the magic store. Yeah. Like just go. Like you'll probably end up buying a trick, which is fun. Um, but like go and just experience this crazy. My friend Noah does a show there every Thursday. And part of the show is really like, it's a lot of people have never been. It's a show in the magic store. Yeah. So some people have never been to the magic store. So part of the experience is just looking around. I, oh, mean, I love like, that. And he tells you sort of the history of the shop. And it's really, it's a really fun experience. And that, that's a really cool way to experience that store. That's great. I've never heard of that as a, that's such a concrete, good date suggestion. Yeah. His Thanks show is perfect. And show. even if you can't, even if you're just during the day, they'll like want to pop in by the store. I mean, both it's, it's just a wonderful place. Nice. Um, I, I got into it in the first time when I was like eight because of those, they, they had this, uh, I don't remember if, you know, if you remember the Klutz books. Yeah. The Klutz the, book of magic. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's what Which got comes me into with, it. Yeah. The, the funniest thing about it is there's this trick where you have to, you, you put, you have a jar and there's like this piece of rubber stretched yes, over it the latex. and the nickel is yep, yep, on top yep. of it. And then you like tap your fingers and, and it, it penetrates pop, yep. through it. But that's a, uh, dental dam. Yeah, <laughs> that's just dental, yeah. which I guess does have a clean purpose, which is dentistry. Yeah, but like 
that was the thing they were trying to give out to people to use for like cuddling it. Like uh-huh. that was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, if you're gonna go, I don't think anybody's ever used no. that. Very no. thin, very thin. Yeah, like. Yeah, they, but they were there was a period where they were pushing really hard on like if you're gonna go down a girl you got to use dental dance just chew on a tire for ten minutes which is you. but like it was this weird thing that all the the dental dance was either used by people who were like having way too much sex whatever it was yeah. or children magicians right <laughs> it was one way or the other like the, yeah. the biggest buyers were like health clinics and the klutz company yeah <laughs> well now I'm curious about the economics of this so let's say I'm a magician I have a five minute hole in my act I got a purchase a trick like a so whether it's a slight of if it's a card trick or whatever are these thousands of dollars or are these like it 20 ranges bucks? there is like, a sweet spot i found like for most magicians if there's a trick that's under a grand that they, that fits in their carry-on and play it's always that pack small play big that's what they're right. always looking for if you have a trick like that and it's easy to do magicians are all over it yeah um it's but that's the problem. Like there are people like there, there are every person who works in a magic store has a story of somebody coming in and goes, Oh shit, I have a show tonight and I don't have anything. What can I put in it? And that's like the worst way to create art. Yeah. yeah. I, I, comedians would never be like, Oh shit, I'm just going to do 45 minutes of new material. But magic yeah. is so different in that way because you have all these kits and other things and, and, and individual tricks and like all these things that you can buy and you can put together and like, yes, you can create your own things and you can put your own personal touches and you, all of that other kind of thing, but like that, there's there's no analogy. I don't think in stand up where you can you can't like buy like a whole collection of jokes and create a set. Well, they, it's a there's a good analogy in music though, which is you can if you want to be a cover band, cool, right? Like, but if you're a Journey cover band, everybody knows that you're not Journey, mm-hmm. right? Um, but in, the problem with Magic is you have a a Journey cover band acting like they're friggin' Journey, right? Yeah, or like my analogy is always like. If you're like if you're covering a Beatles song, you're not John Lennon, even if the audience thinks you are. And that's the big problem is you come because the, the people in the audience assume that it's your trick or assume the jokes you're making are yours. They assume that you've you contributed something to this art form in some way. Yeah. And you really have it. Like a lot of these guys are walking up and doing word for word somebody else's script, a trick that they didn't create based on a performance somebody else did. Yeah. And they're acting That's, like they're I, not a cover band. I don't know how you don't go crazy when you're doing a crossover event or a more magic-related event and you're being so funny and charismatic and original. Uh, how do you just not spend the whole time judging the fuck out of everyone else there? I, it, I do, it's hard. It's yeah. really hard. That, that's why I've been doing, I started doing this magic lecture, which is like there's a crazy – it's crazy that there is even a circuit, but there's a magic lecture circuit. Yeah. And you and it, it's very hard to sell because I I'm not teaching tricks I'm yeah. just teaching them magic theory of like how to be original. Well, speaking of, I'm curious about that. So when you when you have a premise that you're excited about, like you, one of my favorite premises of yours that I could watch you do this joke a million times is the struck by lightning idea. Oh, thank so you. as a stand up, you get this idea of like how many times can a person be struck by lightning or whatever, right? And you have this idea and then you can play around with that idea and it's just all words on a page, right? And and working it out on stage. As a magician, you're like, I want to create a trick. Like, where the fuck does it... Like, have you created tricks from scratch that yeah, are the, all the you? the fuck you card trick. That's literally from scratch. From scratch, yeah. I mean, like, something like that, I'm just like, where would you even start, you know? Well, you, you uh, build up... So, And this is actually... This is big, straight from lecture, but you build up... A library of magic knowledge, or literally sometimes a library. Like I have a lot of actual magic books. Yeah. Um, and then then you cr- I create like stand up. So usually it starts from a stand up joke. Yeah. Um, like my Price Is Right joke became the Price Is Right trick. 
the the lightning joke has has morphed so into a thing. The price is right. That is also from scratch. That I, that's, that's on my with, board. That's like, the one with the board and the the numbers. Uh, yeah, I didn't build the board. Like right. somebody else built that. Okay. Um, I, I'm not a carpenter, but, but, but like conceptually, but like the fucking card joke, I built all the props. Like I literally made all of the props because I only saw that once. I don't. I didn't rewatch it in the footage, but yeah, it's so it, that thing hinges on. I assume some complicated math. I mean, this is. I guess this is the danger zone. I can't ask a magician to explain. Yeah, I don't his want tricks, to reveal the but the methods of anything. It's so complicated. So you just created that from from nothing, is what you're saying? Yeah. Well, I start with I, I, the, I'm doing it backwards. So most magicians have a trick, and then they figure out how to cram it into their act. I start with an idea, and then allow, and then find find the the trick, or not even find the trick. I basically script out the whole trick. The whole mm-hmm. what's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes a challenge of like, how do you make it happen? Like, I was like, the fuck you card trick. I wanted, I had this idea of it being sort of this, like the card says, fuck you. And then it's the card they thought of. And you're like, yeah, but how, do, how do you do that? Yeah. And so I just sat, I literally sat there and thought and choreographed it and tried to figure out, cause there's always some kind of, it, it's, I know enough card tricks to know there's. There, I had I had three or four different ways to do it, yeah. and then it was just about figuring out what's the most deceptive way to do it. I love that you just used the word choreography because that's what I was surprised by going through the footage and you pointing out where. I don't want to. I'm things nervous. I'm going to say yeah. things. I, I don't want to over talk it, but uh, uh, the the choreography was so impressive, and it's like, oh, that's how that thing happens. But the, the audience perceives it this way. Like it was so right. cool. Uh, and for anybody who's like, like my father-in-law, he hates magic because he doesn't like the feeling of being tricked. He, mm. he thinks the inherent thing of being fooled or being made a fool or being tricked, he doesn't like. But that's what's so cool about it. Like that's why I think anybody can appreciate magic, is because uh, it's kind of like comedy nerds who don't just like love laughing at jokes. They they want to know why the jokes are funny or why right. that idea. Like I don't know. I just. Uh, yeah, and I'm, and that's the the funny thing about the stand up part is like I want people laughing to the point that they're not they're, the idea of like oh I was fooled and I want to know how they just they're on this ride and they're yeah, like cool that yeah. I I did not expect that yeah that's why it's called what just happened because you're like wait what just happened like yeah it comes out of nowhere like oh that thing worked right right and that's and it, it is that show is the most exhausting show like when I do just an hour headlining of stand up it's pretty exhausting but that show I'm doing an hour of stand up plus my brain is. Doing all sorts of magic mm. stuff. Some of it you can't even see. Like there's a lot of, basically from the the joke is that magic. It's magic from the front and juggling from the back. Yeah. Um, my show is pretty angle like angle proof, so you wouldn't see it even if you were from the back. Yeah. But like there is there is a lot of stuff happening to make yeah. the magic happen, and that's all also happening at the same time. I'm doing jokes and improvising and riffing and yeah. connecting all of the things that are happening live in the room. I mean, so like wait, just, how much are you developing magic versus developing stand up? I'm trying to develop it like stand up. So like I have this hour and change show and then once that gets filmed and done, then I'm going to burn it down and start the next show. But I'm already I've already started working on the new the new show. There's there's pieces that are pretty ready to go for for the second hour once it's once once the first hour is away. And this is of stand up or of both? For the uh, for the magic, I mean, stand up. I'm always writing new jokes, just right. Always. But that's what I'm saying. So but magic show, magic tricks have to go through development. So it you're takes developing like years. both of these. Like how how much time would you say you split between the two? Is like one kind of get more attention than the other? Is it pretty evenly split? I'm basically doing stand up every night, and then magic gigs at least once or twice a week. 
something I want to drop in that keeps coming up in different articles I've read about you. I think the Post wrote a thing about uh, that I read recently. Uh, Six hundred shows a year is this thing, this number that keeps getting thrown oh, yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, that. and that's Harrison actually Greenbaum, the, that's hardest the low working, end. <laughs> really? Yeah, so, yeah, hardest working comic in New York City. Six hundred shows a year. So, do you think it's more like seven, eight hundred? No, I don't think it's ever. It's usually it's between six and seven hundred. Usually, yeah. there's a. I think there's one, maybe two years where I broke through seven. Yeah, but yeah, it's usually between six and seven. There's one year I think I did like slightly less than six hundred. And seven nights a week, I assume. Or do you do you build in a night off? No, I should. Yeah. I, I like I remember Adam Newman was like, I build he builds in a night off and I was like, That's really good yeah. and smart. Yeah. And why he's so happy, I think. Yeah. Um like that was really smart. I don't know if he still does it, but I just remember being taken back because he was like, I take Sundays off and I was like, Wait, you can do mm-hmm, that? Mm-hmm. It's like of course you can do that. It's your you're the boss. So that, I thought that was really good. What are you doing to take care of yourself? Nothing. <laughs> Like how are I'm you grinding well, myself into the ground? You know what though? I think these visits with grandma might actually be something <laughs> keeping you grounded to it's good. planet Earth. Oh, absolutely. Real humans. Yeah. Uh cuz I I can feel it sometimes when I'm just like white knuckling too hard through trying to do too many mics or whatever and it's just like I need to I need to yeah. not be doing this tonight. Yeah, the only thing relaxes more than the same Holocaust stories over and over again. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, that is the funny thing is my, I think by the time you reach 100 you've boiled it down to like five stories yeah like these are my best stories and I'm just gonna rotate them in have as you, through as seen fit have you or anyone else in your family documented any of these stories of hers or oh yeah well yeah. so Spielberg has this Holocaust project and uh-huh. his whole idea was they're not gonna be around forever and there's already people who don't believe it happened so we're gonna insane. videotape every single Holocaust survivor we can archive it so that when people are like it didn't happen we can be like well she's saying a th- these thousand yeah. old people yeah like my grandmother's not she's a wonderful person i don't think she's a brilliant actress and improviser yeah that she's made up all these stories right um so they they videotaped her like 10 years ago oh, i love that uh so we have and we have a copy of it um so there's an archive of all i mean they they interviewed her from like start from a little girl and work yeah. us through to america that's great that whole like uh I, I guess when we live in an age where people can just make up their own facts, like this is going to happen, but like the notion of like, like crisis s- actors and all that shit. No, well, just the notion of like people not believing in the Holocaust or 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 believing that we went to the moon or, or that like, the Earth is flat. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just when you can't convince like, people that the will, world is round. Willful where do, ignorance. Where do you start from? Yeah, just willful ignorance because they're just like, I want it to be this falsehood that it was. Yeah. Well, like, I don't. I don't get that. Well, because there's so many compelling uh, personalities on TV, like like uh, what, what's his face from Infowars, uh, Alex uh, Alex Jones. Well, I don't find him to be particularly compelling. But there are people that are so fired up by people with that much confidence and that yeah. speak with that level of like authority. That I mean, there's that. Trick, alien, oh, they're magicians. They trick people right. into believing them. There's that famous psych study where like this guy's studying basically an alien cult. They're like, these aliens are going to come down. They're going to take us all back. And they set a date. And this guy was like, wait a second. You're going to commit that hard to this alien thing you made up that you're telling all of your believers that on this date, they're all going to get sucked up by the alien. So he's like, I got to see it when the aliens don't come. Yeah. Although I bet you there's a part of him was like, if the aliens come. Yeah, right. I'm I mean, going to yeah. feel so, so shitty. Yeah. So the aliens don't come. Of course, they're waiting on this hill. The aliens don't come and they double down. That's what happened. Like in the face oh, yeah. of this disconfirming information, 
instead of going, oh, I guess the alien thing was made up, they go, oh, we didn't believe in the aliens hard enough, so they didn't come to take us. And mm. that's what this thing is with, like, the crisis actors is mm. rather than say my that their belief in gun, con- uh, you know, in guns is wrong, they would rather think you know, or like, oh, my gosh, I'm being moved by the Parkland survivors. I can't have that feeling yeah. because it goes against all these things that I've been saying to everybody. So I'd rather believe that they're fake hired actors right. yeah. than believe that they're kids in pain who yeah. just want there to not be guns in school. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather create this whole conspiracy in my mind to support my views. That's interesting. And that's and that's and it, when, with Facebook makes it so easy to be like, cool, I'm just never going to look at facts that disagree with me. Right. And then I never have to have that really uncomfortable feeling yeah. that what I believe in publicly is wrong. has been wrong. Yeah, yeah it's interesting cuz I remember studying like how cable TV and niche uh, like niche channels changed, you know, the way we consume media and all that stuff and who like yeah, I guess with the internet, it's even more intensified now. Now there's even more specific factions and niches. And, and you could show a story two ways. You yeah. could literally write your story. That You could have the headline change so that people who are liberal and conservative will click on it. Yeah. I mean, if you're trying to maximize clicks, that's what you do is you yeah. reframe. Every story is framed in two different ways. Yep. So now you can get both audiences. Yeah. So you still you have both people never confronting even the, the wrong angle. Yeah. Well. Uh, can I ask a nerdy comedy question? Yeah. Uh, so doing all these contest shows, America's Got Talent, Last Comic Standing. Uh, I assume you've done lots of live comedy contests. You know, there's oh, the, so many. The, the March Madness is happening at yeah. Caroline's right now. There's, uh, I don't know if you're doing any of the roasts. Here's funniest. Thing. I've done yeah. yeah both versions of March Madness. Um, I kind of won March Madness once. Yeah, I did March Madness, and they never had the finals, so I was the I won New York. How does that happen? I have no idea. Scheduling snafu, and then they kept. Then they just did it the next year, and so every every year after, they always say past winners. They'll always be like Harrison Graham, regional winner, and I'm like, well, I might have won the whole. Yeah, we'll never know. It's your fault. You never. It's like the NCAA. I don't. I don't begrudge him, but like, I was like, this is weird. Like, why would we just let's just have the finals? Yeah. Um, but I think it's just. I think it's it's just destined for you that if you're in a contest, it's it's not going to go your way, man. No matter what, I yeah. look at the way you approach a. Co- if I'm giving advice to a comic, the way I, I first of all, don't enter too early. Um, like give yourself some time to in, get good in like, your career. You mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, wouldn't it be better to enter a contest where you're like, where you think you're almost better than it, where you're like, right. this is like where you're going to walk in and be like, I got like I got mm-hmm. this, and if I don't got this, then the thing is rigged. Right. Like that, that's the best way to walk into it. Doesn't mean you're going to win it. And that's the other part. You walk in knowing that a vast majority of, of how you're going to do is almost entirely on the luck of the draw. Like yeah. where you're going to end up on the show order is going to have a big difference. Who's judging you is going to have a massive difference. Like there's so many things that are completely out of your control Yeah, that you win. The idea is I'm going to keep entering competitions and hope that one time my luck will be on my side and I'll win the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I guess, but you're such a fastidious guy. I assume. I assume, like when you're going out each night, you're you're thinking of the specific things you're working on, uh, and you you kind of have a set list in mind. And uh, so for these contests, how much work goes into just prepping exactly? Like on last comic, I assume they say, all right, for this for this night, you guys only have three minutes on oh, stage. Th- that was the crazy thing. America's Got Talent. They're like, you have ninety seconds. Really? But magicians can't do 90 seconds. Like yeah. a lot of acts can't do it in 90 seconds. So they were like, people were doing seven minutes and, but they don't get 
like there's no like like you're out yeah. of time. Last time standing, they were like at three and a half minutes. We are shutting your microphone off. Do not go over. And they're like, and we're like, oh, so there's going to be a timer then on stage. No, just do it in three and a half. And we're like, you want us, like, yeah, kind of want. This. They don't even give you a light or anything. They, at, I think it was at thirty seconds. The monitor just goes 30, 29. I think it was thirty. It might have been ten, but I think it was thirty. So when you have thirty seconds left, at that point you're kind of already in the bit though. Like it's hard to yeah change everything in thirty seconds once you're there. I had a stopwatch on my wrist though, so I was like, yeah. I- I'm just gonna time it myself then. Um, but that set had been really well timed out. Yeah, I guess that's my question. Is and like, that's, that's ha- what you have to did do. Did you did you do you just like always have like these little mini things ready to go for these opportunities? Oh no, I had the or, set. Like yeah. I walked into, I always walk into that thing having run the set to death. Yeah, yeah. And and America's Got Talent and Last Comic both. It's uh, as much as I never get nervous. There's this pressure of like this one counts a lot, mm-hmm. and there's going to be 20 million people seeing this, so don't fuck up. So you get really, you get a little nervous more than you normally would. So especially for America's Got Talent, I feel like, because I knew how big the audience was. I was like, this is 20 million people are watching this set. Mm-hmm. I had to go on total autopilot to a degree. Be like, all right, you know what? Even if I can't, even if my brain isn't functioning, I I can do this without even thinking about it. Yeah. That's how much I had run that set. And I really did. It was just like total autopilot. And for both of them, you had to have several sets ready to go in case you progressed, right? Yes, but like there's always time between rounds. Last comic standing, it's very, it was like, we're going to keep filming this and the whole show is going to be filmed in three weeks. Yeah. So you really had to have an idea of what you were going to do. America's Got Talent, at least at the beginning, it's like there's going to be like a month between rounds. So you're like, let me, let me put all of my energy on this. I'll have some stuff in my back pocket just in case, but let me mostly focus my energy on the task at hand. Yeah. And then if I make the next round, then I will work on the next round and the next round and the next round. And so if you started in college, let's say you've been magic since 12, you know, five or whatever, but stand up at what, 19 in college or something? Yeah, around 18. So you're like 13 years in? Yeah. Uh, Crazy. When did, when did it, when did you get, when did you get to the point where you were so focused on uh, having like, I mean, just watching, you could tell you have this laser beam focus on like the material and the jokes. Uh, did it take a while to get to that point where you were sort of like actually things were actually clicking for you in your act? Yeah, I still, I mean, I'm still working. Like that's why I love stand up is like, you're never done. Yeah. I'm still learning. Um, but I, the, the advice that was given to me that seemed to be most accurate um, was five years, five years to find your, to find the craft and then another five years to find your voice. Mm. So it takes five years just to figure out like, how can you how can you take this statement and make it a joke? Mm-hmm. Just the actual like mixing paints and like learning which paints go where. I always wonder those 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 kinds of uh, pieces of advice that are based off of a timeline, how accurate they are as time goes by. Because I do feel like a lot of that stuff is also based off of the fact that once upon a time it was literally impossible to get on stage as a new comic you couldn't get on stage more than like a couple times a week if if you were lucky but now um there's so many mics and other things like that at least in new york where you could literally get up on stage like three or four times a night every night even if you're just fresh out of the box well this this was advice that was given to me like so it was within the realm of well this wasn't advice from like the 70s or 80s this was right. like uh the, rick jenkins the owner of the comedy studio who's seen a million comics 
Um, and when I first heard it, I was like, I can beat you. Like I can mm-hmm. beat, it was like a challenge. Like, right, right. I can beat these numbers. You're like, did right. you know I was going to do, I was going to do, gonna do yeah. six or 700 shows a year. Yeah. I can beat this. I, I, I'll do it in half the time. What did you say? 10 years to yeah. find your voice? Five. I'll do it in yeah. five. Um, I was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter how many shows you do. If there's just part, it's just this, it's that journey of like, it's what air, airplane pilots called flight time. Mm. Pendulette talks about it too a lot, actually. Flight time is like airplane pilots, it's not even required like to go through certain kinds of flights. It's like you just need to be in a plane for X number of hours. Yeah. Because everything that can go wrong will eventually go wrong. And now you're able to address it. And so it just takes five years to just like encounter all of the shit. Like yeah. you're going to do a show without a microphone. You're going to do a show without an audience. You're mm-hmm. going to do a show where the audience doesn't speak English. Mm-hmm. You're going to do a show in different towns. You're going to do a competition. Like there are so many things that you have to experience. Mm-hmm. And it's, it takes years. There's no there's no way to speed through that. It just can't happen. But what about like the finding your voice portion of it? That's even harder. So that requires why, getting in touch with yourself. I guess like I'm wondering like no, I totally agree with that. But like, but don't you think you can find the craft while you're finding the voice and vice versa? Or you th- you have to fully have the craft locked down before you can find your voice? In your opinion, I feel like when because I've been fortunate to see a lot of comics just like start and then get good. And like what I've noticed is. They're good, but like it's whatever it takes to get a laugh. Like, and that's what you should be. You should be like, I just want laughs. I want laughs coming at my face. Yeah. Um, and then eventually you're like, you want to be able to write a good joke. And then the next step after that, which you can't get to until you can write a good joke is I wrote this good joke and it fits my character. Mm-hmm. You can't have that step without the good joke step. Yeah. You can't skip that. Yeah. So you have to write a good joke first. And now I write a good joke. Sometimes I go, I can't use this. I'll give it to somebody else who's like, this is too dark. This is too whatever. Or you have to reformat it to fit your voice. But like it starts from writing a good joke and then the next step is going, does this fit who I am? So can you and define, also, can you, can you verbally define what your voice is? Do you know, can, like, can, is there a way to su- summarize it or is it just kind of an overall vibe that you have? It's more of a vibe for me. Cause if I start to explain it to myself, I think I'll, I'll break it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Cause it's my own voice. Right. Um, but yeah, like there, I, you're, I basically look, there's, there's me and then there's Harrison, the comedian. And so you're like, would Harrison say that? So right. it's not me speaking in the third person. It's like, there's a separate person because mm. he's a magnified version of who I am. So it's like, would he say that? Mm-hmm. And that's the, and that, when, when I get, that's why I like to watch videos of myself instead of trying to listen in real time. Cause I'll analyze it. Like it's not me. Yeah. Yeah. So that's helpful. You're like, would he say that? And that's, that's the main thing. I also would like to clarify that when ha- <clears throat> when you say good joke, I'm putting air quotes around good joke, uh, you mean killer jokes, you know? Yeah. Like, for where I'm at, it's like, I just need acceptable jokes <laughs> that, that are sufficient to get laughs, right? Mm-hmm. And I cannot wait for when my voice and my material and the craft is all, it's all generating killer jokes, not just good enough jokes. You know, that was a Uh, weird thing. So I feel like your, your, your standard for what a good joke is much, much higher at 13 years in than what, you know, but that was like a weird thing to discover is I feel like every year I thought I was killing. And then I, then I say one joke, like if every joke was a D joke and then I say this one joke and it gets like a C reaction. I was like, Oh shit. I didn't know. Yeah. That they could be louder. Right. And then you do a B joke. And you're like, oh, shit. Like, wait. Oh, no. Because then you see something like Bill Burr and you go, yeah. my audience doesn't make that sound. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, like, I, I remember seeing when I was starting, I was like, oh, shit, they're not like that. Right. Yeah. I need to throw everything out. Like, if they're not doing that sound, that's the sound. Right. And so, like, you're, st- I'm, st- I'm now just, like, 13 years in, like, okay, I'm really feel- 
starting to feel, I'd like to think I'm starting to feel that sound that like the, the, maybe the top level, but I might come back. Like you might ask me in three years and I'm like, I was wrong. Yeah. There's a louder sound. I've seen you do some like really great uh, sets, even when the audience was like kind of like with most comic. I remember there was one set you did that really stuck with me where you were doing. I think you had some joke about a kid joining ice, like a kid joining ISIS or something like that. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know. Um, gosh, I wish I could remember like all the details of it, but it was something about like how it, like it was like the perfect like it was either ISIS or Al Qaeda or some some kind of like. Like, uh, gosh, I can't remember the training camps. Yeah, some. This is a real. This would be a really old. I, I yeah. I this done, was this was not super recent. I also uh, want to okay. get to the point in my career where I can forget killer yeah, jokes of my own, where I could be like, I don't know, if, I don't remember that one. Uh, I mean, it, it stuck with me in the sense that I was like, wow, that was a really good. Like, it, there was a number of different parts to it, and and I was like, wow, that was really. It just stuck with me after the fact, like that was a really good, like idea. Um. Obviously, I don't remember all the details because it was it was a couple years ago. Yeah, um, I, I I was fooling around with it a bit. I think it was like saying ISIS or like kids or something. Yeah, like it's the same thing. Just like I want to blow stuff up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone ever blowing this stuff up and like um and how there's like a ton of sand and and kids love playing in sandboxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, that that whole oh god that's so funny I did that bit for like a month and then I was just like kind of put it. I was like oh, oh I nah. loved that bit I thought oh. that was so great yeah thank you yeah, I yeah. gotta I gotta dig it back up. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's funny. Yeah. Just like stuff like that will just like, like, uh, like play in your brain, like highlight, like, oh yeah, that was just like really, I think it was also cause that, that night in particular, like the audience was not responding to most of the comedians, but you, you really had them going. So that was just a little me stroking you off. For oh, well, thank you. I mean, I, the secret is just like hard jokes. Like that was, yeah. I did a writing job and the guy who ran it, his best, the best piece of advice he ever gave me was, he's like, there are soft jokes and hard jokes. And he's like. Don't accept soft jokes. Yeah, and that you when you do a hard joke, it literally like connects. Like you that that you literally feel that the hit, like when their heads get like knocked yeah, back you, by so, the joke. Yeah, yeah. Uh, define hard joke. Do you mean like clarity in the punchline? Like it's a very it's clear... when you deliver that punchline. There's literally a snap in the audience. Yeah. The audience is like, yeah. I got it, and yeah. you get that huge laugh back. Yeah, and there's some jokes where they're like, ah, yeah, 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 and there's some jokes where they're like. It just it like it's like firing a weapon involuntary. Yeah. yeah, and you so you any joke that doesn't do that, you have to like consistently. You have to cut and like you the, cut it, or can you or can or some jokes it. be massaged into yeah, like like finesse re jiggered to make that. Yeah, reaction. I abandon yeah. jokes. I think sometimes too soon. Like I I I'll go back to an old notebook and be like, oh, this was fine, and then I do start doing that stage again. I go. Oh, this was fine. I just, I wasn't, I mean, sometimes it's, I wasn't ready for the joke. You didn't know how to do that. Right, right, right. Now I know how to do the joke. Yeah. But, like the idea was good, but I wasn't ready for it. And now I am. Yeah. So like there was an old joke that I dusted off recently that I, cause I was just riffing on a topic and it, it came back to me and it killed. It hit like on a hard level. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I just, that joke was too dark for that Harrison. Right. Mm -hmm. right. But now I know how to do dark, darker jokes. Right. So I can, I can do that. Well, now you got me fired up, man. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure. Uh, I'm Thanks go for to having my me. My notebook and make some hard jokes out of soft jokes. Do which, it. Which uh, my whole act is full of. Yeah, I gotta make. <laughs> uh, 
soft jokes out of mush that I got, so yeah. that'll be good. Hey, speaking of mush, that's been my involvement today is uh, Sweet Tea. Uh, and I'm yeah, Sweet Tea. <laughs> oh, uh, man, I, I have this cold, and I'm just like, I'm not contributing anything. <laughs> I love your role as guy surprised by everything. Yeah, there, yeah. there we go. <laughs> uh, Harrison, do you have stuff that you want to tell the people about in the next couple of weeks? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, April 3rd, I'm back at the Village Underground doing the show. What just nice. happened? If you guys want to check it out for yourself. Yeah. Um, and Harrison Comedy is my Twitter handle and my Instagram handle at Harrison Comedy. And all my tour dates are on my website, HarrisonGreenbaum.com. All right. Great, man. Thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And say hi to Grandma for us. I will. Absolutely. I'm on my way to her right now. All right. Guys, Bye-bye. you've been listening to the Comics Table. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>